0: This next idea might get me fired, but I can't not show it to you because if I don't show you this idea, I'm not
1: doing my job. Hey, what's up, people? It's Brandon Ferris, and you're listening to A Quick Read, an advertising podcast that talks book smarts and street smarts with people who have been there, done that. Today's guest is creative director Pat Morgan. He's worked at big agencies and developed small brands. We dig into Seth Godin's Purple Cow and riff on what's remarkable. You know what to do. Tune in and turn up. What's up, Pat? How you doing, I'm doing man? Doing good, man. It's good to be here with you. Oh, it's, I'm so excited, man, that you are on the show this week. I'm just—I tell you, I—it means so much to me, buddy. I, I over the years we've collaborated on some things, but man, this is this means the world. So thanks so much for joining, and I'm so excited you chose Purple Cow. Talk about that. Why? Why that?
0: Yeah, I think um, Purple Cow to me, a it's an easy read, right? It's quick. <laughs> um, and I'm not, <laughs> for, for everybody out in the audience who uh, um, is looking for a great advertising book, A, there aren't very many of them, and B, the ones um, that aren't good tend to be longer, too. So, they're kind of overcompensating a bit. And this book is not doing that at all. It sticks right to the facts that are going to help you improve the work you're doing for your brands, or you can even extend um, a lot of what Seth talks about in this book to how you brand yourself, how you make your team stand out. I think it it goes beyond just advertising to me and actually has applications for life. So that was the, my reasons for picking it were were many. Um, one was laziness, but also <laughs> <laughs> a lot of the function of the book I think really speaks to me.
1: That's awesome, man. Well, well, it's a it's a great book, and I think again, you know, um, you know, if, if you haven't out there, li- listeners, if you haven't you know read anything from Seth Godin, definitely go check him out. He's he's the king of uh, of marketing, advertising, pop culture books. Um, he's always saying something interesting, and uh, but before we dive into that and start to to look at some of those big ideas, um, I'm dying to know, man did you did you grow up always wanting to be an advertising? <laughs> it's crazy, right? Um, I kind of did.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, uh, before I really knew there was a thing called graphic design before I knew there was a thing called commercial art, as they called it at the time. Um, I would make up ads for things like shoes, you know, uh, <laughs> back in the day, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, um, uh, Mark Aguirre, Isaiah Thomas, all wore Converse weapons. They were these badass Converse basketball shoes. I don't know nice. if you remember the weapon. Yeah. But um, it was, you know, it was Nike before it was like Air Jordan before Air Jordan, right? Oh, yeah. So uh, you're dating yourself there I a little am. bit. <laughs> I know. I know. I was. I I've actually heard stories about them. I didn't actually wear them. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, basically I was enamored with, with the NBA and with basketball. It was, it was sort of the height of, of the NBA's popularity and, um, some great, um, some great dynastic rivalries going on at the time. And so I would make ads for magic shoes and bird's shoes and I'd make (laughs) posters for them and not that they were going anywhere at all. I would just draw them, you know? That's and, great, uh, man. That I'd is... even I'd come up with headlines for them, and I <laughs> uh, the whole thing, man. Uh, it would I I would lay it out to look like a shoe photo shoot, except it was it was all drawn by like colored pencil. Man, that is <laughs> that
1: is awesome, man. So so from there, you 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 sort of you know took your first step onto the advertising court, so to speak, and and ultimately you know let's let's get to the first real gig. At what point did you actually get paid to be in this mm-hmm. biz? Yep. Um, So, uh, I went to school in Wisconsin
0: um, at a a university uh, called the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire. Not an amazing, uh, at the time, placement program for graphic design, although the program was very, very good. Um, so, I moved to Cincinnati to start looking for work and basically knew nothing about the industry, nothing about what agencies in Cincinnati were good or big or even, you know, when I was looking in the, in the phone book, what was an agency and what was a printer or what mm-hmm. was, a, you know, when I send them my resume, is it going to be a quick printer or is it going to be… Um, you know, an, an actual agency. So, came to Cincinnati and sent out just resume after resume and just tried to learn my way around town. And the first job that I got was for a direct mail company called Reach Publishing Systems. Okay. And uh, yeah. they make Reach Magazine. If you're looking for a pizza coupon, that's where you go. <laughs> that's exactly right. So it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't high-end work, um, but it was almost like an extension of school for me. I learned a lot of uh, production skills. I learned a lot of, of actual advertising lingo. And I met a lot of people that I would go on to have relationships with for, for longer periods of time throughout... Uh, my career. So, my first real advertising agency work or or design studio work was with a company called Sita, Appleman & Shoal, which later got bought out by Landor. So, um, that was my first real uh, feeling like I made it kind of job. I think I was 24, 25 at the time. And, you know, working on big brands, big P&G brands. working on you know packaging for tide or working on in-store standees for sunny d or yeah working on brands that i had always seen throughout my life and thought it would be cool to work on when i was a kid
1: well hey there's nothing there's nothing cooler than sunny d when you're a kid hey mom absolutely hey mom where's the sunny d <laughs> what's up mom <laughs> that's, that's some classic stuff right there. Uh, Absolutely. So, well, that's cool, man. So, so why don't you why don't you bring us up to speed? Give us a couple of your your greatest hits along the way, as far as some of the agencies you're at, and then just get us get us where you're at now. And then sure. we'll have a we'll have a nice understanding uh, as we jump into uh, to purple cow. Sure. Um, Over the years, I worked um,
0: multiple times at Landor. I worked at a company called Bridge Worldwide, which eventually became possible, which is now gray or um, AKQA, depending on how you look at it. Um, and, And so those are kind of the biggies. More recently, I worked for a franchise development company that developed the brand Cyclebar. Um, which has grown very rapidly from a single location to one um, that that has a nationwide and even an international footprint. Um, And right now, I'm doing brand consulting. I went into business for myself a year ago, and it's the best decision I've ever made. I can't tell you how happy
1: I am to have done that. Yeah, that's great, man. So it sounds like you've had the opportunity to uh, to work in some big shops, working on global brands. But then you've also had opportunity maybe working with some startups and helping, you know, young brands like Cycle Bar and others really find their footing and their way, or I guess for Cycle Bar, to find their road, their path ahead, right? So, um,
0: yep, so I think that, exactly. that
1: experience is what I thought was really interesting, you know, as I thought about, you know, some people that I wanted to get on the show. And so I think that's, you know, that's the kind of thing that... Um, you know, I think can be really insightful. So um, I want to jump in to to Purple Cow and I want to jump into sort of the opening statement, you know, and uh, Seth tells this great, you know, anecdote about driving in the countryside with his family and, um, you know, seeing all these cows and they were sort of interesting looking cows. But then after a certain amount of time, the interest wore off and they just became cows and they, they really weren't that interesting anymore. <laughs> and he, he he makes his opening statement in the book and talks about, you know, now, w- what if there was a purple cow? Wouldn't that be remarkable? <laughs> and so I I, I, <laughs> I ask that to you. Um, in your experience, what has this idea of being remarkable meant? and And do you have any stories around learning that that truth does be remarkable really hold up in the in the real world.
0: Yeah, I think it does in many different ways. So, the word remarkable we we tend to use almost like the word awesome has become, right? It's a blanket word we use for everything. I had an awesome cheeseburger earlier. <laughs> I had a remarkable cheeseburger, but but really um things that are remarkable are things that someone has to tell someone else about. They're worthy of having a conversation about. So what Seth's talking about there is truly word of mouth advertising, mm-hmm. um, for lack of a better term. It's it's something that captivates you in a way that you can't get it out of your head until you s- tell someone else about it. And and that can be an experience. It can be a product. It can be a feature of a product. It can be an interaction that you have with someone or uh, uh, with a brand itself. Um, it can be in how they deliver it to you. It can be in how you open the box and the first glance that you have at that product in, in your home. Um, it can it can manifest in many different ways. And I think that's where, you know, he gives many different examples of what a purple cow is. And it's almost hard to find a, a common Theme or a common um, thread between them, um, but really the common thread is they were all remarkable. They were all worthy of telling someone else about
1: it. As a creative director, I guess the big question I have, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm young in the game compared to you. Um, how do you mm-hmm. get your team? <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> how do you get your team? How do you get your team, your designers and your copywriters, to be remarkable? What, what do you do what's what have been yeah. the the tips and tricks that you've leaned on to try to get people to bring out their best work
0: yep um I think number one is is knowing them so actually being curious about their lives um, understanding their skill sets um being curious about their goals um, and then matching those goals, those lives, those skill sets up with the opportunities that they want and need to be remarkable. You know, in some cases, you can, uh, in all cases, I meet with with my team and and have one-on-ones uh, as, as often as possible, as often as they'll um, tolerate, usually. <laughs> um, here, come, here, but, comes but t- here comes Pat
1: again. Here comes Pat. He
0: wants to hang out again. Another one-on-one. Oh, boy. <laughs> Um, but, it, you know, and it, it, and a lot of people kind of roll their eyes when I talk about one-on-ones and go, "It really, what do you talk about, you know, once a week? Or even if you do it once a month, what do you talk about? And it's not you going in there and pontificating to them. It's you going in there with a, a real curiosity and a real um, desire to have an understanding of what they're going through, what they want, um, what you can help them do. And how you can help them achieve those goals. And that's kind of a recipe for being remarkable. You know, in some cases, you learn someone just has a lack of confidence, and and you then, you know, you need to feed them chances that that you know they can succeed at in order to to build that confidence and then all of a sudden they they explode into incredible creative work and incredible teamwork in other cases you you meet with all members of a team and you realize they're not working together really well so how can i encourage them you know in in a way that they're going to be receptive to to work together in other, in other cases maybe the individual um, is bored of their current situation or hasn't seen the creative opportunity that's that's in front of them with the work that they have on their plate, and then it's helping them understand or realize or or um, showing them that that there is opportunity there when they're not seeing it. You know, what um, a, a lot of times a designer will will kind of, um, I guess. Uh, not be incredibly happy with the particular brand they're working on if it's a Mm -hmm. uh, a cpg brand that's been around for a hundred years and maybe it's for grandmas or something like that right Mm -hmm. Uh, but there's a story there that brand has utility um and it has changed people's lives otherwise it wouldn't be around for a hundred years that's cool so helping helping them see what's unique, what's interesting, what's relevant about that brand. And then helping them show that to the client that opens their eyes to a different way to see the brand that they've had in front of them for a long time is, is another way you get to remarkable
1: work. Yeah. I was, I was going to follow up with, you know, it seems like these days, you know, how how do you, how do you achieve kind of, you know, some of what Seth talks about when, everything's remarkable, right? Like every brand is trying to claim the thing or everybody's trying to do the, do the new thing. Um, you know, I think in this, this sort of innovation startup culture that we've evolved into where, you know, it's, it's all, only the new thing is what matters, you know, um, this, these sort of early adapters, um, you know, yep. h- how, how does that, you know, I- is there a space, you think, in, in modern advertising to still be remarkable,
0: yeah, I think so. Um it's it's in so it's in the, the will of the team, the will of um and when I say team I mean both the creative team and the client and the company that creates and produces whatever you're trying to advertise or tell people about. Um I think what in in a lot of cases what Seth talks about is, you know, building a remarkable brand from the ground up and that is certainly You know, one way to do it, but most brands are already built, right? (laughs) So, um, how do you take a brand that maybe has is, is something that was a purple cow once, and then do something with it that returns it to being a purple cow? You know, if you think of, let's say, Old Spice, which it's got old right there in the name, right? It was not a brand that was that was kind of at the forefront of people's minds, and it took a really Um, dedicated an incredible creative team years to convince the brand to do something that was truly a purple cow campaign for that brand and a purple cow communication. And in fact, it completely changed the entire ethos of the brand. It ended up you know influencing the the types of products that they developed the the ongoing line extensions that they created and it wasn't something where they just went in one day and were like hey let's do the man your man could smell like mm-hmm. it it was something that that creative team pitched that campaign for years it took them a long time to convince the client to and and that I say that, and maybe that's advertising lore. Yeah. I I like to, I I don't like the facts to get in the way of an interesting story. So, but what I had heard is that they pitched it for at least three years. And then the finally, finally, the client was open and receptive to it. And then it became the seeming overnight success that we all know and love today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that anecdote is what's true about it is, you know, sometimes people aren't ready to, to look at a purple cow. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of shocking. Like yeah. it's a little, you know what I mean? If you think yep. about it, it's a little bit like, whoa, like, is that, is that real? Like, you know, that, that type of thing. Yep. Um, but I think, you know, one of the, the, one of the, the ne- the other, the next ideas that, that I think is, is important is, you know, again, you know, and I think we're talking about it from the inside versus the consumer side, but, you know, not only do you have to be, um, you know, ready to to see one or hear one or accept, you know, what is a a new idea, um, you got to find the people who are ready to share it, you know. And so, what he talks about in yep. the book is this idea of the idea virus and the sneezers. Um, so, you know, you know, finding the people who are the early adopters who are going like, to get on this thing and and go spread it and tell people about it and those type of things. Um, have you found that to be true? I mean, is there something maybe you're you're working on or you've worked on in the past couple of years where it was crucial to tap into that audience who, who falls into the category that Seth calls the idea virus and, and the sneezers? Have you had an experience recently with that where it was like, okay, yes, we had to tap into those people in order to get a brand to move?
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, very recent, well, Relatively recently, um, when we built the Cycle Bar brand, um, that was, we we used Purple Cow as a guideline for creating a brand. Basically, we started with the end in mind. Um, I love the story in the book of how uh, General Mills in in the sixties. Went to the creator of the cartoon Bullwinkle Mm -hmm. and asked that person to come up with a commercial for a cereal, and so he came up with Captain Crunch, (laughs) and then they developed the cereal. After that, I had no idea. I love Captain Crunch. Yeah, but Captain Crunch will blew my mind. Captain
1: Crunch will tear the roof of your mouth up.
0: It will. By the time you're done eating
1: it, you like there's blood. There's blood everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's exactly it's. Yeah. It's
0: a it, it's a rite of passage. You've you've proved you're worthy of of the captain after you've you've experienced it. That's awesome. <laughs> but um similarly we went into cycle bar with uh, a, a a similar mindset, right? So um indoor cycling was not a new phenomenon it had been around for a long time it it had kind of been relegated to the dustbin of that's what you know old dudes do in the in the basement of a ymca right while They're reading a newspaper and watching CNN or something like that, and uh, something uh, had changed at the time in, in that marketplace. And that something was called Soul Cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, Soul Cycle came out and changed people's it was a true purple cow, it changed people's idea of what indoor cycling could be, of what stationary biking could
1: be. Yeah, they like they essentially, uh, made it they essentially like married cycling with like uh jazzercise right or or zumba or something <laughs> yeah
0: yeah so so indoor cycling became an experience they they brought in these incredibly um hip instructors i mean it's it's been you know there are skits on saturday night live about the names of the instructors and and it it's become it's such an iconic brand Um because it was so different. Um the the our our thinking on it was it's it's an amazing experience. It's incredible, but it's exclusive, right? It's kind of like the mean girls club. It's it's sort of a little bit you can't sit with us, you know. (laughs) So what we wanted to do is build a brand that had an amazing, exciting, healthy experience that encouraged people to come in and do it and improve their health, improve their their fitness and improve their overall mindset uh, but be accessible to everyone where when you came in you felt like it was family you felt like if you missed a class you were missing hanging out with your friends um, and and then um, that community connection is difficult to break once you have it right and and as you're doing a lot of these things as you're building a brand like that, it, it feels wrong when you've been in the industry for so long because we've, we're typically tasked with communicating about a brand that already exists and developing on top of other people's work. When you're starting from scratch and, and really it, you've already got the end in mind of what you want this to be. You're just kind of putting the meat on those bones. It, it feels backward in a way when you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we put it out and we gave people um, many different ways to talk about the brand. So one would be, in order to to have people see it, we would have pop-up rides, they're called. We would take the, um, the entire class, 50 bikes, out of um, the studio and take them out to Fountain Square in Cincinnati. Or we'd take them down to a plaza on the river where there's a beautiful view of, you know, Uh, the city at night when when you you ride take them
1: down you're talking about moving a bunch of stationary bikes outdoors
0: (laughs) talking about taking a u-haul loading (laughs) 50 stationary bikes into a u-haul driving it you know 20 miles to a place that looks cool yeah um and and giving a our riders our current people who are in the in the class an opportunity to experience something remarkable right you know if you're doing indoor cycling outside and you're watching the sunset as you're doing it that's pretty remarkable um but also it's remarkable that the people walking by and just witnessing it happening you know the the class is loud it's loud music it's it's light um and and sound um and it, it makes, it's a spectacle, you know, it makes an impact. And uh, many, many times people would just come up and ask what it was and, and tell others about it because it was just such a, an out of the ordinary thing to see. And also for the people, uh, you know, who, who we were um, making part of our community or the people who wanted to be part of our community, it, it, broke up the monotony of the same type of class over and over again it it they never knew what they were getting into when they came in or what to expect next
1: yeah no that's that's really cool man and i i, I think it so so I, I assume you know just because i've seen the success of it um you know people people were excited to get that word out and obviously that brand is really really grown um and you know yeah and, and so it yeah. sounds like that 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 thinking of letting these really passionate few influence the many worked out, you know, for them.
0: It definitely did. I think there were some other smart things they did in terms of, um, allowing people to badge themselves or giving people the opportunity to badge themselves with the brand. Um, We would give away free water bottles to everyone who came in to participate in a class. You could just take them every single time if you wanted to because it had the Cycle Bar logo on it. And people, we would see them all over over the place. So that became an opportunity for people to kind of display that they were part of this cool new club that everybody was talking about. Um, We would give away... Uh, bumper magnets, which that doesn't sound incredibly exciting, but we would see them hundreds of miles away from where there was even a studio location mm-hmm. at all. People wanted to prove out that they were a part of this thing. Yeah, it's like you know, uh, it, it's
1: it became. Like, it's like all the runners with their 26.1 stickers. That's
0: exactly what it was. We
1: set it up to be just like that. Yeah, I got caught. I um, except cloud. it was I've, a cycle bar logo. I've done this. <laughs> I've done more than. I've, yep. I've ridden more miles than you have.
0: <laughs> yep. Exactly. So it's you know, create a space for people to connect with each other. Um, Create something that when they connect there, it's worth telling someone else about. Um, Give them the opportunity to display their love of of this remarkable experience you've created, and then kind of sit back and watch it happen.
1: You know, that's cool, man. You know that that leads me into this idea. You know. Another idea he brings up in the book that's that's interesting is this idea of being in search of otaku, you know. And we talked a little yep. bit about that with the cyclist. You know, he he describes it this way: this idea of you know it's a Jap- it's a Japanese term that sort of means a little bit more than a hobby, but a little bit less than an obsession. <laughs> and so it's it's not quite <laughs> yeah. all in obsessed, but it's it's pretty daggone on close. Um, so. I, in your experience, um, you know, working with brands, working with creatives, um, you know, do you find that that concept, the the otaku, you know, th- does that panned out to be to have power behind it? You know, whether that's do you have you looked for creatives that have that sense of almost obsession, and how do you mm. channel that energy? Um, and 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 then the second part of that question is is have you had a chance to work with any brands who were who were willing to go there who were willing to kind of exhibit that that almost obsession um, to to really reach their audience? Talk a little bit about that
0: yeah yeah
1: um, I think in terms of of
0: creative teams and creative individuals, we have to be a little obsessed or a little less than obsessed with what we do in order to be good in order to truly um, excel in order to be remarkable individuals we have to seek out information about our industry and our business and develop new skills and find out what the other guys are doing and talk to it about talk to other people about it and share our own experiences with others and kind of geek out on it a little bit you know Um, It it can uh, become a little bit of an obsession, or it can become a little too much at times. But I think, you know, maintaining that healthy balance of I want to be, I want to have mastery over my craft. I want to um, understand what good work looks like or or remarkable work looks like. I want to know what other remarkable creatives think, and I want to share ideas with them and just share space with them to feel um, their creative energy and to share my creative energy with them. I think that is um, imperative to be able to be successful and be successful long-term in this industry to not have a shelf life. You, know, you have to completely um, continue to build your skills and be willing to um, remake yourself and think about yourself in a different way and think about the value that you can provide to a team or to a company or to a brand in a different way. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like, um, otaku has to be a part of every great creative's life, whether, whether they know what's happening or not. Um, you'll see them. They'll, they'll be driving down the street and they'll see, you know, an outdoor ad and they'll go, wow, I would have done that this way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then they'll talk to somebody else about it, you know, Mm -hmm. or they'll see, um, it, it, something that maybe could have been done better or something that was phrased a certain way and and it bugs them and they'll think about it all night and um, I'm not wishing that on anyone <laughs> but when it's inside of you, you have to kind of feed that beast you know, you have to kind of um, continue to search out and seek out that kind of content because it's what you're into And and I think that was kind of what he was driving at, I think from a from a brand standpoint, um, we did something with Vicks a number of years ago that was that was a pretty smart um, kind of confluence of a lot of different factors. So, um, Vicks has, obviously, NyQuil, DayQuil, uh, Vaporub, a number of other products, ZQuil now.
1: I think they also um, make... It, it's not... Don't they also make the Sizzarp? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know that they would claim that and and whatnot but i, f- no, I feel um, like they a, yeah. they are uh they are a, they're a part of a culture where you know you can use that for scissor. so i'll leave that i'll leave, that, I'll leave yep. that there but i've i found that to be <laughs> exciting
0: <laughs> so yeah no i i was excited about it too it's strange <laughs> you know what brands you work on that, that you're like oh this is one that you know i've I, I've always wanted to work on, um, but when you think about it, like how are you going to create an, an emotional connection with your consumer over cough syrup or over some some petroleum jelly that you rub on your chest, you know? Yeah. Um, and and one of the things we found is um, at the time. Uh, the, the company, uh, the uh, P and G that, uh, that owns fix had a, a company wide partnership with the NFL and not every brand was using it, but every brand had the opportunity to. And the NFL is obviously a huge passion area. It's something that drives a lot of otaku for people. And, um, just by happenstance, the NFL season overlaps almost perfectly with cough, cold, flu season. Yeah. So we said, what if we turned um, cough, cold, flu season and NFL season into a months long torture test of how well um, Vicks, Nyquil, Dayquil, and uh, VapoRub help keep an NFL fan in the game, help an NFL fan get to every game, not miss a moment of NFL action, and um, then then you know pitch that to the client? They were into it and decided the way we would do that is to search for the nfl's most dedicated fan so we'd go to every market every city every crazy fan and 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 seek them out and have us uh have them tell us their story of the things that they do to keep themselves in the game the things that they do to to stay um tip top for for every moment of their of their team's season, yeah, that's And cool. we found a yeah, we found a fan in every in every NFL city or every NFL town who was willing to share their season with us, and uh, <clears throat> they created content over the course of those um, you know 16 regular season games. That showed us, you know, their everything from their game face to their touchdown dance to how they rally up their cheering section. It was really compelling, authentic, interesting content that kept the brand relevant for that entire time, and and kind of used uh, um, the otaku of the NFL fan um, uh, to to allow them to show their passion and and their um, ability to to stick with it for the whole season.
1: Yeah, that's great, man. That's uh that's smart smart thinking there. I, I probably would have pitched him on uh Michael Vicks and just had like Michael Vick with his <laughs> had Michael Vick with his shirt off and he's just rubbing it all over his chest and he's just there and there's like maybe some some like smooth music happening, you know. Oh yeah. 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 Michael Vicks. <laughs> I like and he just like it. and then like have like a special formula that had a special scent. I don't know. Uh Maybe, maybe it would have worked.
0: Smells like Mike.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now we had my favorite was I used to do
0: social listening for all the brands, and my favorite was there was a an R and B musician in Asia somewhere who called himself um, Nyquil Jackson. Yes. (laughs) 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 No way! You got to be kidding me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not kidding. That was great. I'm like, that guy's my hero. I want his autograph.
1: Oh wow! I don't know anything that's about amazing. him. Yeah, that's really fun, man. <laughs> yeah. Great stuff, man. I really appreciate you, you know, sharing some of these thi- these things. Um, now, I would say that, um, you know, my my latter comment there, my idea with with Michael Vicks, it might, might have been a little too risky. But one of, one of the things that <laughs> that Seth, one of the things that Seth talks about in the book is this idea that taking risks isn't risky um right you know can can you build on that like he talks about it in a way that that he says that you know the risky thing is not is not to you know um build build on that idea what is it what does it meant in your career um when it comes to taking risks because you know everybody knows who's in advertising or you know those are just now getting in the game um you know it's it's a game where you know go big or go home sometimes and sometimes you got to you got to have yep. an idea that really grabs the room so talk about risk sure
0: yeah i think from a brand perspective um playing it safe is a recipe for not being remarkable right so um i think seth even talks about you know all of the brands out there who at one point all the products out there who at one point were uh, which at one point were novel, they become sort of wallpaper over time. You know, you if you're if you're not doing anything new, if you're not taking any risk, if you're not putting yourself out there to continue to stay relevant to your consumer, you're you're going to die on the vine. Your your market eventually dries up because there's nothing to talk about um, unless you make it to number one in your category. Um, Or even if you make it to number one in your category, there's only so much sales you can generate. And then the only other way to continue to to, uh, create additional profit is to either reduce the quality of your product, uh, which you don't really want to do because Mm -hmm. your consumer then over time is going to feel... Um, those those reductions in quality you're trying to do it to reduce price which increases your profitability um the other thing that you can do then is actually, you know, innovate, and that's what he talks about as as the way to remain a purple cow. Continuing to take a look at your product, whether it's in in some cases it's packaging, um, maybe your package is novel. You you have the same product, but it does uh, the package performs a task in a different way or a a, a way that solves a problem for your consumer. Mm-hmm. Maybe your your product has had um, novelty to it it um throughout its life and you just didn't realize it you know if you think of dawn and you know dawn is dish soap and when people talk about dish soap they usually talk about how tough it is and it's strong enough to get all the dried on junk off your dishes well um a few years ago um uh, it 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 became um known that dawn is used to wash oil off of um ducks and fowl that get Uh, swept up in oil spills and get um, pollution on them it's it's you know it's then then the story becomes it's gentle it's gentle enough to Mm -hmm. to wash off a live duck you know to save the life of an animal and that's a whole other story for a a brand that can't get behind
1: that story who 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 in their right right. mind is like no i'm not gonna buy the soap that's saving the planet and cleaning our (laughs) ducklings like i mean that's That's I think sometimes those are like yeah. little gifts, like little nuggets in advertising where exactly. where we find and discover an insight or we we find a truth that is already happening with a brand and I think you know as creatives, you know, that's our job, right? Is to look for those moments. And I think um Exactly. You know, I think sometimes when we when we talk about taking a risk, sometimes it's it's you know, being willing to point out the obvious thing that the brand's not doing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yep. hey, by the <laughs> way, uh, your 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 brand's already saving the planet and all of these ducklings which every human is looking at going, "Ah, <laughs> like try yep. this," you know? Like I think that's that sometimes can feel like a risk, you know? Cuz you're like, "Oh, are they going to view sure. are they going to view us as not really bringing them fresh bold ideas," you know?
0: Right? Yep. Um, Nobody likes dirty ducks. That's what it comes down tell, to.
1: Tell me this: um, when it comes to risk, and when it comes to teams, you know, young creatives, even older creatives, even you know, guys who are, you know, uh, and girls who are legacy um, creatives that that agencies know, like if this person's on the gig, like they're going to win. Um, how? What do you say to them when it when it comes to this idea of not not affording not to take risk? You know, I think. Um, is mm-hmm. it Wyden Kennedy has the the wall that says "Fail harder" or something like that? There's, you know, there's this thing. It's kind of become a, a little bit of a gimmick or a trope within ad agencies. This idea of you know fail failing, um, but what's mm-hmm. what's the realistic nature of that? Is it really something that a creative can afford to do? Can they really? Um, how do you, how do they know when it's okay to take a risk like that? Because you know the the other end of it is if they bomb, they might. they might lose their job yeah
0: yeah no um it it can be a scary thing to take a risk you know and i think when you do it um over and over it becomes you know like anything else it becomes um second nature in order to get people to actually do that i think you have to create an atmosphere that's conducive of that. And as a creative leader, you have to be willing to kind of take it on the chin when it doesn't work and and take the pressure off those people, um, take the pressure off your team, um, encourage them to do, uh, to take risk. And, and I mean, not risk without, um, without thought or rationale behind it. You know, I don't want someone to take a risk and go in with a piece of creative that's just there to shock the client um but has absolutely nothing to do with the equity of the brand or has no real place for the brand to live in in the work or the creative itself it's got to be smart you know um and i think that's even harder is is to come up with an idea that feels um novel and risky but that still feels relevant somehow to the brand or or not like a departure um because that doesn't feel authentic then to the consumer, you know. It, it, if you're coming out and doing crazy, um, uh, just um, you know, iconoclastic work for for no real reason that you're that that feels foreign from how the brand would normally communicate, then it it it's risk for risk's sake, and I don't think that's right. I think failure is something that has to be. Um, Uh, you have to build it into your culture. You have to make it okay. And you have to create a safe place for it to happen. And there are ways to mitigate failure. You know, you can um, set the client up ahead of time to know that that something's coming that's going to shock them a little bit. And in fact, that can create a little drama, a little expectation, and maybe they're a little bit more excited to see it when you come in. Mm -hmm. You can do it as a separate presentation. You know, maybe you have your 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 ongoing work um that that you're you absolutely have to hit the nail on the head on but you want to bring in an additional idea and this additional idea is going to be something that that really um gives us an opportunity to break through the clutter that really gives us an opportunity to break people's brains a little bit and make them think about your brand in a new way Mm -hmm. um and and you know you have to prepare yourself and you have to prepare your team for a little bit of disappointment from time to time when when you're taking risks like that and um, you have to work on your your team diligence and and knowing that the first time that you go in to pitch something it it may not happen and maybe you pitch it seventy two times and it still doesn't happen
1: um, <laughs> yeah we had an idea i love that idea i love the idea of like risk pitching you know i love the idea of like (laughs) you know establishing with your client hey you know we're 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 gonna check these boxes we're doing all the right stuff you know things are happening by the way i'd like to schedule some risk pitches you know kind of Mm -hmm. and just let them know i think that's a really cool idea right because then you know i think also what that might do is is you know sometimes when you tell somebody like taking your kid to the doctor to get a shot and you tell them you know mm-hmm. if you tell them it's going to be awful and then really it's not or you know vice versa you tell them it's it's not really that bad and they've got it all built up in their head that sort of thing so it's like i think sometimes saying that hey this is a you know this is crazy you know and then all of a sudden it it lands and it's actually strategic and they're like huh it's really not that crazy you know and then all of a sudden you know you, you've mm-hmm. got a you've got somebody warmed up to a to a big idea um but I like that a risk yeah. risk pitch. That's good, man. Um, Definitely, and and you know,
0: setting your client's mindset on it too. And and you know, a client in a room, typically they want you to succeed as much as you want to succeed, yeah. right? So, they're when you go into to pitch creative to them, might be the best part of their day. They might be excited for it. They should be excited for it if you're doing your job. But when you go in there and you tell them, which I I've done this. Um, this next idea might get me fired but i can't not show it to you because <laughs> if i don't show you this idea i'm not doing my job and then they're like what's he about to show me <laughs> you know and, <laughs> and it it wasn't you know it it was authentic it what i was about to show them was for some people radically offensive yeah um, it was strategic though, yeah, and it was smart for the brand, and it pointed out something from a cultural standpoint that was poignant and made an impact and and that's where it's at, you know, wow. like when I'm taking a risk for something that is really meaningful and can make a difference, I feel like I have to do that, you know and and we as a as an as a creative community have to do that if it's something that can that can communicate um you know cultural strife or attack cultural cultural mores on a particular subject um then i think it's you know it's incumbent upon us to do that
1: yeah i mean man that's such good that was great i just boom that's it period that that was a amazing uh (laughs) you know great little you know closing sort of moment there um you so, know, when when I think about this, you know, and, and I think about Remarkable, I got to say, man, I, you, you're one of the names on my list. I mean, I know a lot oh, of people, um, a lot of people that we, we know in advertising, a lot of people I know, your name always comes up as a leader who's been able to really inspire, provoke, and get people to get the best of their work. and. Um, I just can't I can't even thank you enough for for coming on and just you know having this conversation and being part of this and um, and it it really means a lot and I think um, you know I just wanted to I hope you know that I hope you know that people um, the word on the street is is good people (laughs) when they hear Pat Morgan they think yeah you're you're in good hands. Well,
0: thank you, man. That means a lot to me. Yeah. I'm uh, honored that you chose me as your first guest and
1: uh, love <laughs> you, brother. I'd run through a brick wall for you. Yeah, man. Well, it's, it's been a ton of fun. So, so let's talk a little bit about what you got going on. I mean, I, you know, it's been you know, great to have you on the show, but like, what do you got popping, man? Like, what's, what's your shop? What are you doing? Like, this, is, this is your yep. time to sort of talk, tell the world what you're up to.
0: Okay. Um, as, as like any good advertiser, I, I help people talk about themselves better than I talk about myself, but uh, I'll give it a whirl. <laughs> so, uh, um, I've always sort of, as, as most creatives do, um, had side business, right? Had a side hustle. And over the last year and a half, it's really started to, to I've, I've purposely made it a goal, to To grow it into something that I could turn into an actual business. A, a dream of mine has always been to, you know, become an entrepreneur and start my own
1: business, even a, though hey, it's... Ever since the first... It can uh, be scary. Ever since the first uh, fake sneaker ad. <laughs> <laughs> ever since those weapons, baby.
0: Ever since <laughs> i was drawn magic and birds, little shoelaces.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I finally got to the point where the volume of work was picking up really without me trying to sell it. Um, I got to the point where I felt like I couldn't do my full-time job well, and I felt like I couldn't do the work for my, my, um, freelance clients well. So I decided to go into business for myself. I, um started a a very creatively named organization pat morgan creative (laughs) um (laughs) there you go (laughs) and uh that is uh, i've I've spent a year doing that now i think i started uh, december 20th of last year um a year of crazy trials and tribulations for everyone. And I think if you can make it through this year, hopefully you can make it through any year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, clients continue to roll in. I've been doing really interesting work. Um, I get to work with small brands as well as big brands, which I love both. Um I love the variety of that and I get to do some of the other things I love still, which, you know, I, I love building teams. I love working with young creatives. I, I still, you know, farm out, work to some, some other freelancers in town, some younger designers and some younger creatives, as well as some of my peers. Um, so it helps me keep in touch with everyone I love. I get to work with people and brands that I love, and I'm doing it for myself, which feels incredibly rewarding. Man, and that's, then that's I started,
1: started a second company. But, oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I, was just, I just wanted to, to before, before you continue, how can people find you? If somebody's like, hey, I like how this guy thinks. I'd like to work with him or learn from him or hire him. How do people get a hold of you?
0: Yeah, that's cool. Um, My website is pat-morgan.com. Okay, cool. And yeah, yeah, that's a great place to go and uh, check out my work. Get in touch with me if you want to. It doesn't have to be about work. I love grabbing a beer with people. Let's get a coffee when... uh, when it's a time that's a, a little bit more healthcare appropriate. And um, yeah, let's wrap. Awesome. I hate man. networking, but I love I love drinking with people.
1: Yeah. No, that's <laughs> that's great. So okay, cool. So yeah, go to pat dot com if you guys want to dig in more on that ad side of things. Now there's this other now you have now you have a side hustle for your side hustle. I have a side hustle <laughs> for my side hustle.
0: Yep. Uh, once I started a business, it was I, I couldn't stop. I just had to do another one. So uh, uh, three uh, of my former coworkers at my last company um, and I uh, started a company called Tap. So Tap stands for the Acquisition Partners. And the last company I worked for was a franchise development company. And um, when you're in franchise development. In franchise sales, if you're a franchise, when every time you sell a location, you get um, a $50,000 fee, say roughly. Most of them are, are around that. They can be more or less. You immediately have to give half of that to the salesperson who brought that that franchisee, that franchisee lead into you, that potential franchisee. So what we've done is we've created a a process and a system for bringing in those uh, potential franchisee leads to franchisors at a much lower cost to them. So immediately they're getting these leads to be able to sell to these people without having to give away half their money and they like that. So um, the, the, the other three guys and I um, we've been doing that for about six months. Um, we've got a, a, a pretty decent and growing book of clients. And um, yeah, that's, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting to watch the, the, the two businesses grow and come together and it's reaffirming to uh, have people see value in our work and um, tell others about what we're doing for them. So that's the part that I love is when you do great work for someone, when you do remarkable work, it becomes a purple cow in and of itself. Um, yeah. Someone will tell someone else about you. Yeah.
1: Well, man, I can tell you what I know that you know. Listeners will 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 be telling people about about this this particular episode, and I think that um, you know, it's it's been great to hear your voice and your point of view and in and from your experience, and and definitely um, you know, I'm going to have you back on the show. Um, you know, I'm I'm trying to figure out what this thing is. To be honest, I'm not quite sure, but I I I do know that I have um, some friends that are way more talented than me, and uh, decided um, well, let's let's see if we can have some conversations that other people would like to eavesdrop in on. So hopefully, that's been the case. And and uh, man, I just can't say enough. And and this has been so much fun. So um, those of you listening. Uh, please like, subscribe, do all the things, whether you listen on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. And I, as always, would love uh, a rating uh, from you. Five stars is always great, but I am cool with one star because I'd rather have your honest opinion than I would uh, <laughs> you to just be patting me on the back. So um, hopefully- Ones and fives, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, all right, man. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's uh, let's stay in touch, and um, you know, let's uh, let's maybe get together on uh, launching an, a sneaker brand. I feel like that's still on your list, and I feel like that'd be cool. Yeah. So maybe maybe we can do a third side hustle, and we'll launch. The, I like it. We'll launch the Pat the Pat Star Converse uh, All Stars.
0: <laughs> I love it, man. I'd I'd love to launch a shoe with you. I'm there. Yeah. And uh, I love that you're doing what you're doing with this. I think it's a great concept. Uh, I can't wait to hear everybody else's uh, time with you. I love the energy you bring
1: into to it, and um, can't wait to see what you do with it. All right, man, it's been great. And uh, hey, it is. It is. Uh, you know, cold and flu season's. A, it's. It's. It's around. So uh, look out for that Michael Vick's rub. He's. Uh, I hear it's coming <laughs> to the stores near you. Hey, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did head over to iTunes or Spotify and give us a great rating and review. A quick read is a leap group podcast.